Good evening. It's good to see you tonight. We're always glad that you're here. We have been and we are studying through some of the book of Proverbs. We have reached chapter 3 in our study, and we will focus on a few verses there tonight. What is the best advice you've ever received for your life? Sometimes you hear people say things like, if I had known then, or they say, this is what I've learned, and then they share it with someone else. As you think in your mind, has anybody ever given you some great advice that you said, wow, I'm going to take that and I'm going to use it for my life? On the other hand, have you ever given someone that kind of advice? Have you ever sat a young person down and said, now, listen to me, this is what you need to know. This is important, this right here in life. I wanted to know what's the best advice anybody's ever given, so I went to Google. <laughs> best advice for life. Now, a lot of different things came up, but one of them contained quotes, 111 of them. And I believe I read them all. I'm not going to read them all to you, but I'm going to read some. They range from easy to understand to humorous to serious, and some of them were just difficult to understand and comprehend. But here is just a sampling. One person said, I'd rather regret the risk that I didn't take, or I'd rather, I'd rather regret the risk that didn't work out than the chances I didn't take at all. A pessimist is one who makes difficulties out of his opportunities. An optimist is one who makes opportunities out of his difficulties. My father used to say, don't raise your voice, improve your argument. Constant use will wear out anything, especially friends. One person said, I have, I have this rule I live by. Only do what you can do. That means you're never looking outside for what's popular. You're always looking inside for what's true. Worry never robs tomorrow of its sorrow. It only saps today of its strength. Schedule all your worrying for a specific half hour about the middle of the day, then take a nap during this period. <laughs> a party without cake is really just a meeting. You're never too broken to be fixed. The greatest mistake you can make is to be continually fearing that you'll make one. Play is often talked about as if it were a relief from serious learning. But for children, play is serious learning. Play is really the work of childhood. The best way to keep children at home is to make the home atmosphere pleasant and let the air out of the tires. <laughs> a problem is a chance for you to do your best. What I do today is important because I am exchanging a day of my life for it. You can't turn back the clock, but you can wind it up again. We spend the first part of our human experience avidly accumulating things, and the other half wondering what in the world we're going to do with all that stuff. The squeaky wheel may get the most oil, but it's also the first to be replaced. Only a fool tests the depth of the water with both feet. Temptation usually comes in by a door that has been deliberately left open. 
If you can give your child only one gift, let it be enthusiasm. The best index to a person's character is A, how he treats people who can't do him any good, and B, how he treats people who can't fight back. Never tell people how to do things. Tell them what to do, and they will surprise you with their ingenuity. If you want to children to improve, let them overhear the nice things you say about them to others. One of the lessons of history is that nothing is often a good thing to do and always a clever thing to say. As long as the world is turning, we're going to be dizzy. A gossip is a person who creates the smoke in which other people assume there's fire. And jealousy is all the fun you think they had. Amateurs wait for inspiration. The rest of us just get up and go to work. Those were a sampling of the 111, what was said to be best advice for life. What we're reading in the Proverbs is largely that. It's a father who is talking to his son, and he's giving him instruction for life. And I'm going to argue tonight, we may very well read some of the greatest instruction, the greatest things that somebody has ever said to another person. I read the 111, and not one of them, not one of them mentioned God. Imagine giving life advice and never mentioning God. Did the best advice you received involve God? Did the best advice you give involve God? Last week, we stopped at verse number four. We may very well read tonight the best advice, the best instruction that's ever been given from one person to another. It begins here in verse number five. What does the father say to his son? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Find some better advice. Find a better way to live life. Find a better thing one human being could tell another human being. What should you do with this life you have? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Packed in that one simple sentence, there's faith, trust, reliance, conviction. Son, be convinced about God. Be persuaded by God. And son, place your trust properly. In what? In the Lord. And son, to what degree should you do that? Be wholly committed with all of your heart. Son, you want to go through life? Never waver from this. Never waver. Trust God's nature. Trust God's character. God is infinite in every attribute. He's all-knowing. He's all-present. He's absolutely perfect and holy. You know what he is? He is worthy of your trust. In fact, you can trust him. And son, you should. The very best thing you can do includes also avoiding the worst thing you can do. It's in the very next phrase. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and, son, do not lean on your own understanding. This idea of leaning is to lean on something for rest or support, kind of like a shepherd's staff. You're going to lean on it, support yourself by it. In what way? Don't do this with you. Don't do this with your own understanding. Don't be self-reliant. Don't lean. 
this son may very well be your greatest threat. You see, here your trust would be improperly placed. Your trust is not in God. In fact, it's in you. What are you going to do? You're going to lean on your own understanding. Son, don't do that. What makes this so bad? In order to, to do this, you'd have to cast off the first instruction. In order to lean on your own understanding, you have to reject God. The very fact that you trust God will prevent you from leaning on your own understanding. Well, reverse that. What if you do lean on your own understanding? Well, you can't trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord. That's the charge. The warning, do not lean on your own understanding. And friends, this has been the goal all the way through the short portion of this book that we've read. It's how the book opened. Verse number seven, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. This is the goal, is to rely on God's understanding. Chapter two and verse number six, you'll want to remember that verse. For the Lord gives wisdom. Out of his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Son, whose knowledge and understanding are you going to rely on? You're going to rely on the Lord. The results of leaning on your own understanding well, son, that would be destructive. What happens in chapter 1? Look back up at chapter 1 and verse 18. But they lie in wait for their own blood. They ambush their own lies. Who's doing that down in verse number 10? If sinners entice you, don't go with them. These are the people who are not living for God. And what are they doing to the son? Come with us, son. Don't trust that. Don't lean on your own understanding. In fact, there is a way, this same book, chapter 14 and verse number 12, there is a way which seems right to a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Why not lean on your own understanding? That's why. It'll seem right to you. It'll seem good to you. The end of it, the ways of death. Jeremiah said the same thing. Jeremiah 10, 23, Jeremiah said, Oh Lord, I know the way of man is not within himself. It is not in man to direct his own steps. Who's going to direct his steps? Trust in the Lord. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Friends, this is the choice of every generation. It really is the, the, the existence of humanity. There are only two options. You can either live life in submission to God, trusting him, fearing him, honoring him, or you can cast God off and live as if you were God. And you can trust yourself, and you can rely on yourself, and you can honor you. And that's exactly how the Scripture points it out. Romans chapter 1, verses 18 to 32, they exchanged God for themselves. Instead of God, they became their version of God. Arguably the best advice ever given is, son, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. He's going to say this probably in three different ways. And each time he'll say it, he'll follow it with a blessing or a benefit. Here's what happens if you do that. It begins here in verse number six. In all your ways, acknowledge him. In all of your ways. Note again, how much of your heart are you going to give God? All of your heart. How much of your ways are you going to give God? In all your ways. Self-submission, in all. Personal conviction, your ways. And fear or a pious, reverent behavior. What are you going to do with all of your ways? You're going to acknowledge him. 
The word knowledge here, one author says it's a picture graph. It's a picture of a door and a picture of an eye. And he says, put together through the eyes, one experiences his whole world and learns from it. Combined, these pictures mean the door of the eye. The eye is the window into man's very being. Experience is gained through visual observation. Knowledge is achieved through these experiences. What are you going to do as you go out into the marketplace and you observe this information? You then process that information. And now, based on that knowledge, you're going to live your life. How should you do that? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. Is there a better way to live? If God made the world, if God made you, God revealed himself through his word. It is God who sustains the world. It's God who governs the world. It's God who sent Christ to die for the world. It's God who loves the world. It's God who desires to save the world. It's God who allows his sun to shine and his rain to water and bless the good and the evil. It's God who will end the world in light of these things. What should you do with the life you have in the world he created with the word he's provided? You should trust in the Lord with all your heart. What's the best advice you could give to a person who's going to live in this world and then go meet God in eternity? What's the best advice you could give? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not into your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. What will happen if you do that? The latter part of verse number six. He will make your paths straight. He will direct your paths. The word means to be right, to be straight, to be level, to be upright, to be just, to be lawful, to be smooth. How will God make one's path straight or smooth? It's a great question. How will God do that? Go back again to chapter 1 and verse number 7, and here's a person that begins this way. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. That fear of the Lord, that reverence for the Lord, that awe of the Lord, what will it do to your life? It will temper your life. Here's a person then who will be aware of their submission to God. They will be aware of God's presence and God's power, and they will then submit themselves to him. They will humble themselves in the presence of God. What they will know is they're not God. They will know that they need God, and so they will be eager to listen to him. Those who listen to the Lord, they follow after his instructions, and they follow after those who also then God has provided them. One of the, one of the points of parents is to help guide children. One of those things that person will do, if he, she loves the Lord, and they put the word in their heart and they submit, then they will instruct their children. That's exactly what we read in verse number 8. Hear, my son, your father's instruction. Where did the father get his instructions? Who's leading and directing the father's path? Hear, my son, your father's instruction. Do not forsake your mother's teaching. Indeed, immediately they are graceful reed to your head ornaments about your neck what will they do they will help you avoid bad company verse 10 down to verse number 19 
They will help you avoid bad decisions because you won't trust you. You will trust in the Lord. As a result of that, you'll listen to wisdom. That's what we read in verse number 20 of verse number, chapter 1. Wisdom shouts in the street, you'll listen to her. When she talks, you'll listen. When she says it, you'll follow it. We read chapter 2, what else would you do? You'll receive my words, you'll treasure my commandments within you, you'll make your ear attentive. As a result of that, the blessings will flow. Verse number 5, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. Verse number 9, then you will discern righteousness and justice and equity and every good course. How will the Lord make your path smooth? This is how. You then will trust in the Lord. You'll keep yourself pure. God will teach that. You will have self-control. You won't give in to your passions. You will practice self-restraint. You will not lean on your own understanding. You will acknowledge Him. You will learn and turn to behave and listen and walk after God. Listening to God will make your way right and straight and level and upright and just and lawful and smooth. That's exactly what he says will happen if the son heeds the instruction. The Bible oftentimes repeats itself, as fathers and mothers do to their children. They state it over and over and over again. Why is that necessary? You know, even in the New Testament, Peter says, I'm writing these things to stir up your mind by way of remembrance, even though you know them. Why is it good to be reminded? Oh, we have tendency to let things slip, Hebrews chapter 2. We have tendency sometimes not to pay attention. We have tendency to be distracted. We often ask, did you hear me? Did you hear what I said? Sometimes parents will go a step further and say, say it back to me. <laughs> let me hear what I said to you from your mouth. Well, say it again. So you didn't hear me. <laughs> you, you need me to repeat it so you can hear it, so you can say it. But yes, what does God do? He says it over and over and over again. We just read it. You know what he does? He says it again. Verse number 7 reads a lot like verse number 5. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Turn away from evil. Immediately followed by blessings and benefits. What will happen if you do that? It will be healing to your body, refreshments to your bones. Be not wise in your own eyes. That's exactly what he said in verse 5. Be not wise in your own eyes. Friends, where do you get your wisdom? Where do you get your instruction? Who is it that's guiding you? One of the, the, the most challenging things that you and I are faced with is everybody is talking in the world. There's so much information. You can just download, you can listen to. Have you heard the podcast? You listen to this. Did you hear that? You know, I heard somebody say, I heard somebody say, pretty soon, friends, none of us are immune. If you listen long enough, if you drink long enough, it will affect you too. And over time, it can change your mind. You can believe one thing. It's happening over and over and over again. There are people who used to believe. They don't believe that anymore. What changed? Well, I heard this person say that. I heard this person. Has God changed? You know, God hasn't changed his position. Be not wise in your own eyes. 
Instead, just like he said in verse 5, fear the Lord. What will happen if you do that? Turn away from evil. It is the fear of the Lord, but it's reverence. It's awe. It's absolute. You know, we might say it this way. Children often, when taught properly, have a very high regard for their parents. That is, they don't do things in front of them. They don't say things in front of them. Now, hopefully they don't do them or say them when they're not in their presence, but what's driving that? Healthy respect, a healthy reverence. It is because I love my parents that I don't do this. It is because I have a high regard and care for what my parents think that I don't say that. I don't listen to that. I don't go to that place. What is shaping your... That's exactly what the Father is saying. Fear the Lord. What will it help you do? Turn away from evil. The more I read the Bible, the more it seems clear to me how little control I have over things outside of me. And how much control I have over me. I can decide. You get to decide, not what the world does, but you can decide what you do. And this young man, the son of this father, is being told, fear the Lord and you, son, turn away from evil. Where's the evil? Sometimes it's in our friends or those we call friends back in chapter 1 and verse 10. Sometimes it's in the world and we are out there just, we're going to read a chapter over here in chapter 5 where a, son, a, man, a young man is just walking through the streets and somebody puts their eyes on him and he's not looking for the evil, they bring it to him. Sometimes that happens. But when they bring it, he'll turn away from evil. What will happen? It'll be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. One of the things that those of us who are older came to realize is how much injury you do to yourself. How much of the pain you live with and encounter was self-inflicted. And what the father is saying to his son is these things can be avoided. He says it again, be not wise in your own eyes, not your wisdom, Fear the Lord. Turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. The benefits and blessings, as you're reading the Old Testament, very often they are actual, literal, physical blessings for this nation. That's absolutely the case. But these things are also true for your soul spiritually. Living for God, walking after him, will be a blessing to your heart, soul, mind, and body. It will simply bless your life in every way. On the other hand, the proverb writer will say, the way of the transgressor is hard. The difficulties of life often come from not listening to the instruction of God. The very violation of verse 5 is usually where it begins. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him 
and he will direct your path. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Maybe you can find some better advice. I don't know that there's anything any person can say to another person that is better for their life than the words we just read in Proverbs 3, 5 to 8. Maybe you're not a Christian tonight. And if you're not a Christian, you need to become one. You need to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You need to give your life to him. Friends, there is no better way to live in this world than to give your life to God. It is the reason we are here, Acts 17 and verse 27. Every now and again, I will hear a well-meaning Christian say something like this. Even if Christianity is not true, it's still the best way to live life. And I believe the person who says that is well-meaning and well-intentioned, but I submit to you they are patently wrong. If Christianity is not true, just stop right there. Just stop right there. Because if Christianity is not true, the Apostles Paul point is, if the dead rise not, 1 Corinthians 15, then let us eat and drink and be merry, but tomorrow we die. Amen. No, if this is not true, this is not the best way to live. Paul has it right, but it is true. And Paul says that as well in that very chapter. And it is expressly because it's true that we ought to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the Lord, for as much as ye know, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. It's because it's true you need to give your life to Jesus. Friends, if you've never done that, you have no more pressing need than to believe that he's the Son of God, to repent, to confess the name of Jesus, and be buried with him in baptism. It is expressly because it's true that you need to trust in the Lord with all your heart and give your whole being to him. But if you are his child, friends, if you are living in a way that's not pleasing to him, then come home and make things right with him so you can continue and begin again the new walk and live right with God. You and I will do nothing better in this life than to trust in the Lord with all our hearts. If you're not a Christian, become one. If you are and need to come home, we invite you as we stand and as we sing.